How many knows people have issues in life? How many knows that's true? People have issues in life. You just never know when the phone rings. Sometimes when you're working in church ministry, maybe you feel this way in your job or occupation, uh, but, but pastoring, the phone rings and you have no idea what that phone call is going to mean. It, it could be anything from the doctor said to marriage to kids. The, a text comes through. You, you just have no idea what's happening. And the other day we had a, I don't even know if people use this word anymore, but doozy. Like, I don't even, do we use that word anymore? I don't think so, right? You used, yeah, we use doozy. All right. Pastor Clint's like, yeah, we're old. We use the word doozy. <laughs> but my wife, my wife uh, is on her phone the other day. I, w- I was in our room. She's on her phone and she has it on speakerphone. And this woman, whoever she's talking to is going off and she is going off about her ex. And so I can sort of hear what, what's, and I, and I wrote it down. But the first thing I heard was the ex destroyed the property. And you know, when you pastor people, you know, I started thinking like, who has done what now? Uh, how many of those exes can just be crazy sometimes? But th- this is what I'm hearing, ex destroyed property. Then they started saying uh, confrontations and allegations. And I heard her say she wants them held liable. And I'm in my room thinking like, what now? Uh, and, and whoever she's talking to, all of a sudden my wife comes around the corner and walks in the room. She has on speaker. She walks in our room. She was watching judge Judy. She was watching. She that's a true story. She was watching judge Judy on her phone. I'm in the other room listening to this, like God's stories. Like, can you get your act together? Like, please. Uh, it was judge Judy. Like, what a relief, like a load off of my mind. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Judge Judy can handle it. Um, <laughs> uh, it's true. I'm so happy. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. I agree, even when Pastor Mallory was saying that verse, just resonating with her, I was glad. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. So thankful for what you're doing in your house even today. I sense it several times just standing there, go pray for for Debbie and felt go pray for Sarah Smith. I know other people are sensing things today. You're touching hearts, you're touching lives, and we don't take that for granted. We're so grateful that the Holy Spirit is at work today. I believe on site and online, you're gonna continue to work in our time together in your word. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna to talk to you today on, if I was to entitle, entitle, I just wanna to talk to you about Simon's struggles, Simon Peter's struggles. And I felt this message so strong the last couple of weeks. Last night, I'm on the couch. My, my dad who's in town, he, he went to bed. The kids had gone upstairs and Angel is is there in the living room. and. Man, just probably till 11.30 at night, whatever time it was, just continued to feel the Holy Spirit at work and what I'm going to share with you in our time together today. And so I'm really believing just if we could block out all distractions and, and just say, God, speak to me today. Let your word speak to me. I really believe God wants to. And it's, it's a two-way street. God's word is very, very powerful. 
The Bible tells us that it can cut to the core of who we are, but it has to be mixed with faith. The Bible says in one instance, the word profited nothing because it wasn't mixed with faith. And so you do your part. We, we share God's word, but when you lean in and you say, God, I really want you to speak to me today, it sparks something. And so that's my prayer in our time together. First John chapter two, verse one, is where I wanna start, and then we'll go to Luke 22. First John chapter two, verse number one, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. That's important. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, if anyone does, so, so here's the starting point. I'm writing these things to you so you don't sin. But if anyone does, just think about it. I'm writing these things so you don't sin. But if anyone does, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for Jesus. In Luke chapter number 22, we're going to read a part of Simon Peter's life that is called if, if you look at terminology in scripture and, and different headings, you would see many people would call this the denial, the denial. We're going to pick up the story in verse number 31, and then I'm going to jump down through a few different verses. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you. This is Jesus talking. Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I, Jesus, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, so Jesus in this moment, he is turning very futuristic. He's talking about futuristic assignment. When, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready. No, you're not. You think you are, but you're not. He said, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Verse 34, Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times. Verse 54, let's jump down 20 verses. Verse 54, then they seized him, Jesus, led him away, bring him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. Often look at if, if the devil could position you and I in one place, like what's his preferred place? I, I think one of the preferred places is at a distance. Even in 2021, you have to be careful when you start getting distant. He's at a distance. In verse 55, when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light, looked closely at him and said, this man also was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. Verse 58, and a little later, someone else saw him. You're also one of them. But Peter said, man, I'm not. Verse 59 really jumped out to me. After an interval of about an hour, so we don't know exactly 
how long he's sitting among them. But I do want you to notice that just, just I want you to see that just between the second denial and the third denial, we have about 60 minutes that elapse. This element of I've got it, I'm good, I'm strong enough. An hour elapses, we have the third denial. Verse 60, the rooster crowed. Verse 61, the Lord turned. Just want you to think about it. The Lord, Jesus, he turns and he looks at Simon Peter. The rooster crows. Jesus turns, looks at Simon Peter. Peter remembers the saying of the Lord before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. And here's the response or reaction. It's our final verse. And he went out and wept bitterly. He went out and wept bitterly. There's so much to this story. And I, I won't be able to cover it all today because there's a lot. You have the denial of Simon Peter. You have Simon Peter running back to a boat, back to fishing. You have Jesus appearing to Simon. You have this dialogue of, do you love me three times? There's a lot to this story, but I just want to hone in on these verses I just shared with you when it comes to what the Bible would call the denial, the denial. When you look at Simon Peter, I think a fair starting point is where did this guy even come from? How do we get Simon Peter even in this story? And it starts with in Scripture by telling us that Simon was brought by Andrew, his brother. Simon was brought by Andrew, his brother, to Jesus. Surveys show that 80 to 90% of Christians, they come to faith as a result of a relationship they had with another Christian. So I'm not saying that you can't ever be in the middle of the woods, be in the middle of nowhere, and, and all of a sudden you have a God moment. It can happen. But most people, if you talk to them, they will begin to share about someone in their school, someone on their job, someone in their family, a friend. Someone began to share their story, share faith with them, and that's what their first interaction was, is, is because of someone that opened the door for them to be led to Christ or led to faith. 80 to 90% of people who share their faith journey will always point to a person. That person was influential. A story as recent as today was a lady at nine o'clock. So I had two different people tell me as they were exiting today, one, I prayed with the gentleman, he's, he's crying, told me he raised his hand today to commit to Christ. It's this wonderful, wonderful story. Another story that I heard, this is just last service, was a lady that made a commitment to Christ today who was on the side of the road on Friday, Friday of this week, on the side of the road, and one of our church family is passing by 
a lady who's up in years, she's passing by, and all of a sudden felt the Holy Spirit, you need to turn around, you need to go back. She's having the thoughts of, is it safe? Lock my doors. What does she tell me? Story? Like, what am I really supposed to go back? She does. This woman on the side of the road is crying. She felt like she was supposed to go back, invited her to church. The woman came to church this morning at nine o'clock and opened up to prayer and a commitment. That's a pretty powerful 72 hour story that took place. I'm simply wanting you to see that God uses people, God uses Andrew to bring Simon to Jesus. Now, Andrew probably has no idea when he brings Simon to Jesus what Simon is going to end up doing for the kingdom of God. And you and I don't know when we turn on the road and go back and share with the woman crying. We don't know when we share our faith on our job. We don't know when we share our faith with family. Some of you even today, you could start to think of the people who played a part in your life. Those same studies would tell us that 8%, everyone say 8%. 8% of people, when it comes to their story of, of salvation, 8% of people say that they made this life-changing decision to follow Jesus because of marketing. Branding, marketing. I drove by a billboard. I saw a flyer, a pamphlet, a brochure. A... So, so it, it's, again, I love marketing. I love branding. I think it's important to get the word out there. But I just want you to see at the start of this sermon today, this message, how important it is for you to play your part that you have friends and you have family that trust your voice. And they, they may drive by 10 billboards and it not carry the weight that you sharing your story and saying, you know what God has done in my life? And that person would say, do you think he could do it in mine? Don't underestimate the importance of Andrew bringing Simon to Jesus. When we talk about Andrew bringing Simon, that verse is in John 140, uh, 142. John chapter 1, verse 42, and I want you to see it because I want you to see this first interaction between Simon and Jesus. Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at Simon. Now, in our initial text today, Crystal, we are going to see three plus years later after this verse. This is the first interaction. And Zach, in the first interaction, Jesus, I want you to notice it, Jesus looks at Simon and he tells him, you are, but you shall be. That's their first interaction. He looks at him and he says, you are, but you shall be. I think that's the gospel summed up. Now we repent, we get baptized, we have the Holy Spirit work in our lives, but I think that's the gospel summed up. Someone brings you to Jesus, and Jesus says, 
You are, but you shall be. We come with brokenness. Some people come with bitterness. You come with all the bad stuff. You know how many people will tell me, tell me, you know, do you think God could really love me? And if you know what I've done, and I know all the other people, but if you knew my past, this is the gospel. Andrew brings Simon. Jesus looks at him and says, you are, but you shall be. When you look at this story of Andrew bringing Simon, think about it today in your life. Who brought you to Jesus? Who brought you to Jesus? Some people will say, well, it was my girlfriend. You know, I didn't even really care about church. I was just like coming because, you know, I liked her. I have people say that. Other people will say, you know, my spouse, they nagged and they nagged. Or my mom and dad. This will never let up, Micah. It's just like constant. I'm like, okay, let's go. I don't know all of the stories of what got you, got Simon to Jesus. But some of you came and it wasn't even really a pure initial motive at the start. But when you got to Jesus and Jesus started speaking to you and the love of God and the grace of God was reaching out. I remember, Rick, you didn't really want to come, did you, now that I think about it? Look down your Lexington Minutemen purple shirt on the front row. His grandson was the one dating the Steelers chick. Remember that a couple weeks ago? His grandson come up to me today after nine o'clock. He's like, hey, Pastor Micah, we're getting ready to leave, but I just wanted to tell you, she's not a Steelers fan no more. She decided, for the sake of the relationship, she's not a Steelers fan. He just told me today. See what God will do? Won't he do it? <laughs> I got to focus. <laughs> Who brought you to Jesus? Who brought you to Jesus? Where's Dan Beasley at? Where you at, Dan? Right back here. How many prayers do you think your mom has prayed for all of you guys as kids? Your mom is one of the most godliest women I've ever met. Think about, think about those types of prayers. Think about those types of people. Think about the interactions of God. Jill, when, when I, you're so good. Back, back in the info center and here on the stage, stage host thing, just watching you as a leader, but then you see influence on your job and how, what a great mom you are and wife. And just, I'm so glad you're here at StorySide. But when I think of years ago, you're working at a business, business at a company and God puts our church accountant, Kevin Mason, and his family there. And years back, you're looking at them saying, I wish I could have that, their joy, their peace. And years back, and God knowing in the big picture, ways and thoughts higher, there's coming a day you're both going to be serving at the same church. You never know, Andrew. Andrew, you don't know. When you turn around on the road, when you're working at the job, when you you invite your friend and you're like, hey, come with me. Whether it was pressured, nagging, or whatever else, there's something special about Andrew bringing Simon to Jesus and Jesus saying, I know where you're at, but here's where I'm taking you. Thank God for life change. 
thank God when he says, I'm going to take you from here to here. Now, I want you to notice that today because I want you to ask yourself, who could you lead to Jesus? Who could you lead to Jesus? Maybe you have just, you've been talking yourself out of it. Like, what if they shoot me down? What if they say no? What if they make fun? What if they, well, maybe just flip that. What if they're the next Jill? What if they're the next Zach? What, 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 if, what if they're the next you? Look how far God has brought you, Susan. You shared with me in your own words when you first came. You said you sat all the way in the very back row. Nothing against the back row, people. But you shared with me. You sat all the way in the back row. And now you're serving. Now you're plugged in. Now you're planted. You're like, I sit right up front. What if they're the, what, what if they're the next Susan? What if they're the next you? Challenge yourself. Ask God, Lord, let me be an Andrew. Let me be an Andrew. What is the chances that Faye, she's even telling me the streets, then it's Belleville, Johnsville, and turn left here. And what if you're the next Faye that you're driving down the road and the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart? And you're like, I've got to turn around. God, I pray that you would stir up in Storyside a spirit of revival to believe that you're not done saving souls and you're not done salvaging marriages and you're not done turning lives around. Come on, we've got to get Simon to Jesus. And as we talk about the power of the gospel, just remind you, that's why we do what we do. It's why we have services. It's why we offer online. It's why we do Freedom Nights. It's why we have several pages of missionaries that we support every month. Outreaches and missions. I met a missionary. I believe he's in the room right now. A missionary to Guatemala. He's been a missionary to Guatemala for 35 years. He's in the room right now. Can we appreciate all of our missionaries? My oldest daughter and I went on a mission trip to Guatemala. We honor you today for what you're doing there. But it's why we do what we do with those things. Because we believe if there's one Simon online, this is not just like an opening every week. We get this one in Arizona and this one in California and this one in Canada. And this one, it's because we believe that if God could work through a phone or a tablet or an iPad, if there's one Simon online today that's like, I don't even have the courage to come to a church, but you're scrolling and scanning and you stop and God is like, I still love you and I still care about you and I've not given up on you. If there's one Simon today, it's worth every camera. It's worth every, it's worth it all if there's one Simon today. Give a shout out to our dream team. Why do people come at six, seven o'clock this morning? Why? Why are they sending out flags? Why are they preparing a parking lot? Why are they getting ready for kids check-in? Why are they doing all those things? Because if one Simon was at nine o'clock, I just told you about two. I told you about a man with a beard who's crying outside. I told you about a woman on the side of the road crying. But if one Simon, we got two at nine o'clock. But if one Simon, 
was like, I am making a decision today. I'm going to accept the free gift of God. It's worth every sign. It's worth every volunteer. It's worth every team member. One Simon to Peter. He has this interaction with Jesus, and Jesus says, you are, you shall be. I want to give you some of Simon's strengths in our final few minutes. I want to give you some of Simon's strengths. I won't share all of them, but one of the big ones, I think Simon was revelatory. That means he, he's able to see things maybe that, that other people don't see. Revelatory. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Simon Peter said, well, some say and others say, but, but, but I say you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. I think he was revelatory. He was a risk taker. He was a risk taker. This is the guy, Jen, this is the guy that when he's in a boat and he sees Jesus in the water, he's like, uh, if it's you, Lord, bid me come. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give this a shot. And he walks, and he walks on water. He's a risk taker. Simon, some of his strengths are he's aware of the anointing. Now, I think that's important because the Bible says, Sarah, that multiple times Jesus was in their presence and people weren't even aware of it. They didn't even see him for who he was. Simon Peter understood the anointing on multiple instances, the mountain of transfiguration, Moses and Elijah, let's build three tabernacles. He's aware of the anointing. He understands faith. If you look at Simon Peter's life, he was there for, for the miracle of Jairus' daughter. When other people got put out of the house, Simon got to stay. Faith. Provision, you know, some of us often think that, that we have to control all the money, like whatever we have in life, it's going to be because of us. The guy I'm talking to you about today, Simon Peter, Simon Peter actually got a coin, Pastor Justin, a coin out of a fish's mouth. He understands God's provision. He's been around for miracles of lunch bags where five loaves and two fish feeds 3,000 men plus women and children. 5,000, most people believe that, that the, the 5,000, the 4,000, there could have been 20 and 30,000 in those two miracles if you counted women and kids. Peter is around that. So those are some of his strengths. But how many knows in all of our lives, even though we have strengths, it seems like all of us have some Weaknesses. Let me give you some of his weaknesses. Most would teach that he had an anger problem. Everyone say anger. anger. Point at someone in the room you know has anger issues. I'm kidding. I was kidding. People are doing it. I'm kidding. Point at all of the Steelers fans. He has a problem with his temper. This is a serious thing. I know we laugh about it, but, but anger is a big deal. The Bible talks a lot about it. You know, that we could have this byproduct of anger. The Bible says, be angry, don't sin. It's, it's, not, it's not even that you're going to eliminate all of that in your life, but you've got to you be careful this anger doesn't play itself out in your life. 
temper. He's reactionary. So if you turn in your Bibles to John 18, you'd read a story where he, he, he takes a sword and he cuts someone's ear off and Jesus says, what are you doing? What are you doing? Put the sword away. So they would teach he's reactionary. Simon in scripture, I, I think it would be very clear for us if we had time to break it down how Simon always pushes back. Have you ever met someone who just pushes back on almost anything and everything? Someone could be like, yeah, I'm raising them. Like, yeah, they're in my house. <laughs> I feed them. Simon Peter pushes back. This is actually very intriguing, and I, and I know our time is elapsing, but it's intriguing because he pushes back to such a degree. I, I want to give you the one scriptural insight. I know some of you take a lot of notes. Matthew 16, he pushes back to such a degree. He's telling Jesus, Jesus said, this is the plan, and, this is, and Simon is like, no, there's a better plan. He pushes back to such a degree that Jesus says, get behind me, not Simon, <laughs> Satan. Get behind me, Satan. These are some of the struggles. He falls asleep when Jesus asks him to pray with him. He misses a moment. Then in this passage, he overpromises. Those of you that hate that in life, don't overpromise. He overpromises. And then it would seem like, I know we jumped some verses, let's go here, jump down 20 verses. But it seems like in this passage that he struggles with peer pressure. Where's my students at? Where's my college students at? Where's my guys at the gym? Where's my buddies? We're just watching the game. Everyone's looking at it. Everyone's drinking it. Everyone's trying. Everyone. Peer pressure is a powerful thing. And then the denial. The name of the chapter. The denial. What are the lessons you and I can learn? Because you have these two instances, Maddie. You have the first instance, Andrew, bring Simon. Jesus sees Simon and says, you are, you shall be. A lot of you clap. It's the power of the gospel. Then we fast forward three plus years. We have a guy who gives in to peer pressure and denies the Lord three times. And you have the same statement, Jesus sees Simon. What do you think are some of the emotions that come in this Jesus looks at Simon? What are our takeaways as we look at this story and apply it to our lives in 2021? I think one of them would be that you can love God and still get off track. That the guy who's going to walk on water, if it's you, bid me come. I'm serious. I'm getting out of this boat. The same guy who wants to build three tabernacles, 
the same guy who was part of Jesus at Jairus' house, Talitha Kumai, damsel, I say unto thee, arise, same guy, is now sitting by a fire. How in the world do you watch Jesus talk to Elijah and Moses? And now you're like, I don't even know who he is. Because you can love God and still get off track in life. It's especially difficult if you have in your past a culture of perfectionism. A culture of perfectionism. Now, I was raised super, super, super strict. My dad's in town from Canada. My dad would tell you that he was saved. You know, he, he had a lot, his parents had divorced. I think he was nine years old, and a lot of the kids went with my nanny. My dad stayed with my grandpa, worked on the railroad, and dad basically raised himself Monday to Friday and got into all kinds of theft and stealing and running with, and my dad really got messed up with, with a lot of different things in his early age, but he came across an apostolic holiness church and, and gave his life to Christ, and I'm so thankful for that. But, but we're raised in a very rigid, regulated, and, and I don't have time to get into all of it with you, but certain colors they would ask you not to wear. My dad tells stories about how even your sideburns, they didn't want so far down this little part of your ear. Like they would tell you, hey, you need to like get those little, like your hair they didn't want over your stuff that I'm, I know telling you today, you would think it's absurd, but it is how we were raised. There's no TV, no movies, no jewelry. My mom's always in dresses. You know, all these things. So I, I was raised as a child, I always thought God was mad at me. I always thought, like, there's no way you can be good enough for God. I think my sister had it even worse than I did, which I think she's watching online, but it's probably the reason when my sister got to be up in years a little bit and could get out of the house, she was gone and didn't want to have a lot to do with church at that time and season of her life because when you understand a culture of perfectionism, it shows up in a lot of ways. Some people over the years will talk to me about even your childhood, being raised by people who was like, hey, no elbows on the table. Don't do that with the chair. Don't sit like that. You don't eat with this hand. You don't do this. You don't, and it's always something like, that's not where the spoon goes. That's not where the fork goes. You use the, you use the little fork for the salad. The big fork is... And there's a hundred other examples that we don't have time for, but if you have any type of culture of perfectionism in your life, then when you're Peter and you're at the fire and you break promises that you made to God and yourself, you don't know what to do because you think God only loves perfect Peter. God only loves the guy who gets out of the boat. God only loves the guy on the mountain. God only loves the Peter at Jairus' house. He doesn't love that guy. This expectation that you'll never miss the mark, not you. You'll never miss the moment. You'll never mess up ministry, not you. Other people could do it, but you won't. Listen to what Simon Peter said. Jesus is telling him, Satan wants to sift you. Simon Peter's like, I've got it. 
I will follow you to prison or death. I am good. He says, I'm ready. No, Simon, you're not ready. The devastating part in these verses we read is I think Simon, assuming he was stronger than he actually was, finds himself breaking these promises that he was so sure he could keep. And so as we continue to apply this to our own lives, let me ask you today, have you ever hurt someone you loved? Have you ever hurt someone you loved? Especially someone who believed in you. I know I keep going back to it. Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Now, I don't know if anyone else seen anything in Simon, but Jesus did. And when you have someone who sees something in you, I mean, that lodges in your heart. You start thinking, he believed in me when no one else believed in me. And now, now, you're at a fire denying the very one that saw something in you that probably most didn't. And so I ask you, Have you ever hurt someone you loved? Simon lets down someone he loves. But maybe even worse than that is Simon letting down someone who loves him. Now, I wish I had a lot of time to really share my heart on these two stairs, just just this angle here, this angle over. Because I know Simon is probably kicking himself when they lock eyes. I have let down someone I loved. But I think it's really hard, Crystal, when you let down someone, not just that you loved, but you knew loved you. It's no wonder in this story that it ends up at bitter tears. I think sifting often shows us how fragile we can be. I think there's questions sometimes of why didn't Jesus stop the sifting? Why? Julie, Jesus says at the start, Simon, Simon, Satan wants to sift you. And then Jesus doesn't stop it. I know people who have questioned God why before. If there's a God, why do you let that happen? Don't you think Simon could ask that question? You knew he wanted to sift me and you didn't stop it? I think it's dangerous to create a belief system that says that God will always stop the sifting. Sometimes he stops it. Sometimes he gives you the strength to survive it. I think in this sifting story of Simon Peter's life, one of the strongest word pictures is right here what I'm reading to you today. It's one of the strongest word pictures of shame. Shame. Shame is a very powerful thing, Maddie Shields. Shame. The rooster crowed. The Lord looks at Peter. In that moment, 
I think that Simon is super ashamed. So let me, let me put you in the passage if we can. Have you ever wished that people couldn't see your situation? Because we always look at other people in the Bible or other people in your row. I hope you don't get judgmental. I know some people do get judgmental. But I've never met one person ever that doesn't have some Simon in them. I've, I've done this 31 years, some form of, I've never met one person that if we went back to your high school years or your prom night or college or your last marriage or like everybody, so, so some people it might have been Friday night, some people it might have been two years ago, but I've never met one person that doesn't have some Simon in them. Broken promises. Stuff that you never thought you would do, never thought your kids would do, never thought your spouse would do. Jesus looks at him. Now as a dad, as a dad, maybe you could relate to this, but, but have you ever tried to talk? You ever tried to talk to your children before? And you're just like, hey, just look, just look at me. What do they want to do? I mean, multiple times. No, no, just, 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 Andy, just look at me. And they make it about two seconds. Like, can we just get through a sentence, Andy? Why? Why is that? Why is that, Tyson? What is Simon sensing as he is sitting at this fire that when Jesus, the Bible said the rooster's crowing, Jesus looks at him, I don't want eyes on me. I don't want you to stare. I already know what I've done. Pastor Kim, I think a lot of times people are their own worst critic. I remember one businessman here in our church telling me when he went through his divorce, he said, Pastor Micah, I didn't want to go into a store. I didn't want to walk down an aisle. I didn't want anyone to recognize me. He said he would go late at night. When he told me, so he said, I'd go late at night. He said, I'd always wear a hoodie. He's very recognized in town, very successful people. He said, I'd wear a hoodie, pull it up over my head. I didn't want anyone to see me. Because shame is a powerful thing. I could totally see Matt Bullfinch. I could totally see how Simon is like, please don't stare. Not right now. You looked at me three years ago. And when you looked at me three years ago, you said, you're Simon, but you shall be. But I sure don't feel like that right now. Sometimes shame, it'll put you and I in a place where we don't want anyone looking at us. Because we never thought, we never thought we would become bitter. We never thought we would get lackadaisical or lukewarm. We never thought we would become offended. We didn't think it would be our son or daughter. We didn't think it would hit our home. We didn't think we would gamble. We didn't think we would let our mind and thoughts go there. We didn't think we. Oh, Simon, at the start, I'm ready. I'll go to prison. I'll go to death. And what do you do when you fail at this fire 
and you feel like the eyes of the Lord are on you. It's no wonder, it's no wonder that Simon runs. That's what he does, Hannah, he runs. Runs back to a boat and fishing, cries bitter tears, he's finished. It's no wonder. I've met people that they may not run to a boat, but they'll run to opioids, they'll run to meds, they'll run to the next relationship, they'll run. I've met them. And I'm not even saying it judgmental because I think we all could be susceptible to that. This is not just Simon. I think we all can be susceptible. What do you do when you let the Lord down? Peter remembered, the Bible says in verse 34, he remembered what the Lord said. The rooster is going to crow. I think we often only remember the rooster. In your story, my story, if we talked right now, we often only remember the rooster. The Bible says Simon remembered the rooster. He remembered what the Lord said about denying the crowing. But what if Simon was to remember that he also said? He didn't just say, the rooster's going to crow and you're going to deny me. He also said, I'm praying for you. He also said, when you're converted or when you turn around. He also said, Simon, there's still work to do. You're going to strengthen the brethren. He didn't just tell you about the sifting. He actually told you you're going to make a comeback. Jack Hiles says it very well when he says, failing is not a disgrace unless you make it the last chapter of your book. What do you do, Simon, when you're seated in this place? You see, here's what I think Simon, in this moment, why does Jesus go and find him? Even, I want you to see it, I didn't share this at 9 o'clock, but Luke 24, verse 33 and 34, says they, they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has He's appeared to Simon. You see, Jesus finds Simon. They have this, do you love me? Why do you think, why do you think Simon, who is struggling, bitter tears, needs this like extra TLC, needs this visit from the Lord? Well, just a few of them would be that he's going to stand up one day and lead 3,000 people to Christ on Pentecost. He's going to help change Jerusalem. He's going to impact the coastal areas of Judea. He's going to influence Antioch. He's going to bring hope and health to Corinth. You read the Bible. He wrote multiple writings. He's going to bring revelation to Rome. In this part of the story, it sure seems like it's over. But if you turn the page from Luke 22, you're going to see a lot of amazing things that God still had to do 
in Simon Peter's life. Because God sees you on the other side of your struggle. God sees your whole story. I think in this moment, the denial, the letdown, culture of perfectionism, Simon broken promises, this is arguably the lowest point of his life. Simon Peter, there is so much more for you to do. Simon, one day you'll look back and you'll be glad that you didn't let this heartbreaking and humiliating failure this season take you out. Corinth is going to thank you. Jerusalem and Rome is going to thank you. As we get ready to pray, now let me talk about you. Who is it? Who is your Rome and Corinth and Antioch that's saying, Mom, Mom, don't you dare let this be the last chapter of your life. Dad, I know you're probably beating yourself up more than anyone else. Don't you dare. Now, I know they're not Antioch and Corinth and Rome. They're your kids. They're your grandkids. They're your spouse. They're your family. But I want to speak to a Simon Peter today that is at the fire of failure, feeling like I can't rebound. I'll never turn it around. I want the love of God to touch your heart right now and remind you there is life on the other side of this struggle, this sifting that you find yourself so I want to pray for you today I want to pray for your ministry I want to pray for your purpose I want to pray for the call of God on your life I want to pray for what God has left what he has left in your life I know it's easy to remember the rooster when you're sitting here if I talk to you right now You're like, well, if I could do that marriage over again, if I could go back five years, if only I would have said, I'm so stupid for going, I broke promises. I know the enemy would love for you to remember the rooster today. That's all you're going to remember. But I'm asking that you would also remember, he's praying your faith doesn't fail. And he's believing in your turnaround. I feel the Holy Spirit right now. And he's believing you're going to make a comeback. And he's believing, Simon, you're going to get up off the mat. And there's going to come, you want to talk about peer pressure? Jenny, it's a little girl, a young girl is like, are you one of them? And he's like, no, I'm I'm not. Come on, Simon. Because it's not going to be long from now that somehow you make a turn from this peer pressure because there's people in Acts 2 that are mocking, that are making fun, that are saying they're drunk. And all of a sudden, Peter is like, Bible says Peter stood up. He stood up in the midst and said, hey, everybody. Come on, Simon. You're not going to stay there the rest of your life. I know it stinks right now. Come on, Simon getting back on your feet again. You're getting back on your feet again. As you close your eyes and give me an opportunity to pray for you at 12.08. I always love looking at the time just because I, I think some people pray prayers where they could actually mark their spiritual calendar. 
Some prayers, some moments, they matter so much in your spiritual life. What if today is your day? What if today is your day to get back to God's purpose in your life? What if today is your day to stop the self-criticism, culture of perfectionism, that I let the Lord down? You say, Micah, I don't like sinning. Neither does God. I don't like sinning as your pastor. But do you remember that first verse we read? I wrote these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does, come on, Simon. But if anyone gets off track, but if anyone gets bitter or offended, but if anyone finds himself in a place at a fire, if anyone finds himself weeping bitter tears, but if anyone does, we have an advocate. And I feel the advocates at work today. I'm praying the advocate could find a marriage right now. I'm praying an advocate, Jesus, could find someone who's beating themselves up and ready to throw in the towel. And like Peter, you're ready to run. But while you're ready to run, God is saying, I'm not done with you, Simon Peter. Would you just let the love of God go to work right now in this room and online? I see people crying in the room and I'm just asking you right now, just let the tears flow. The Bible says Simon wept bitter tears. Sometimes it's good, don't even, don't even hold them back. Sometimes it's good just to let them come. In this moment, God, I realize what's happened. I realize what I've done, but I don't wanna stay here for the rest of my life. Come on, Simon Peter. Come on, Simon Peter. Maybe you want to pray right now for yourself. Maybe some of you want to pray for a family member. Can I tell you today, when you let down someone you love or you let, you let down someone that loves you, you may be frustrated at your family member right now, but there's very few people that will criticize Simon Peter like Simon Peter. Maybe you feel to pray for that person right now that you know they're at the fire. Work Holy Spirit. Work Holy Spirit. Do what I can't do today. Let your word and let your anointing do what I can't do today. Find someone who feels like it's the last chapter, it's over, it's done. Find someone today and remind them in their own way. There is a Rome, there is an Antioch, there is a Corinth, there is more. Remind someone today. God, if there's someone in this room or online who's never had that first interaction with you, you're Simon, but you shall be. That if someone is saying, I want to be saved, I want God to, to save me like right now, Mike, I pray in this moment. 
They've been brought to you. Scrolling, they've been brought to you. Sitting in this room, brought to you. I pray there would be an acknowledgement of I need saved today. I need that advocate today. I need Jesus. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth, you're the son of God. You'll save us. I pray for others today who have gotten off track, but today they're coming back. They failed at a fire, but they're believing today is their day for a turnaround. I pray for them today. I've seen families reunited. In 30 plus years, I've seen prodigals return. I've seen addicts finally free. Today I heard about a woman crying on the side of the road. Don't tell me he can't do it. Don't tell me he can't do it for your marriage, for your family, for your ministry, for your kids. Let faith arise today. Let StorySide believe you're still working, you're still saving. And I pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand all over the room? Will you sing it out to him today? Are you thankful for the grace of God? Are you thankful for the love of God? Would you just tell him that today? Would you tell him how much you love him? Thank you, God. Don't you tell me. Don't tell me he can't do it. I see family.